Stay tuned for The Turning Point with Mike Fader. feels <clears throat> how it feels to be free maybe one day you know maybe one day coming down here um today coming down to the studio from where i am which is a not a short trip <clears throat> there was some um, money enough money to take a car to come down here keep myself off the uh crazy subways for various reasons uh mostly they don't work very well and um it's a little scary to be on them. The subways have changed. I mean, everything in New York, it's like everything in the rest of the country, right? Everything in New York is, uh, uh, everything costs more and and there's um, and it works uh, more poorly, right? So the transit, the, the, the fare for the subways and the buses keeps going up and up and up over the years and it's a huge amount of money for daily commute. And um, they shorten the trains, they cut out buses on the bus routes. 
it's uh, getting nuts. I mean, there are front page articles about it all the time. And the trains themselves, even though there are fewer of them and more people getting on them because the population of the city has gone up in the last several years, um, the tracks are completely shot. I mean, we're talking about a transit system that's over 100 years old. And they're always making repairs forever. But now they're making repairs day and night constantly. And um, uh, they have to work on the tracks. They have to uh, – the cars. Mostly it's the tracks and the, um, and the tunnels and everything else. Um, it's uh, absolutely extraordinary. I mean, you could see it reflected in the entire country. Was it somebody who was telling me the other day that um, out in Kansas, which is kind of like a preview of the uh, – from New York to Kansas. We're not in Kansas anymore, Dorothy. No, we're in Manhattan here. Anyhow, out in Kansas, uh, they had a preview over the last couple of years of what the what the Republicans want the budget to be like uh, in uh, on a national scale. And out in Kansas, they cut all the taxes. Um, they cut taxes radically all over the place. So guess what in Kansas? Um, there's almost no health services. The schools have to close down. Uh, police, there's there's three people in a one-person cell in prisons. Um, everything is going wrong that the government is responsible for, and the government as representatives of the people. So every, so the people are suffering. They're, most people are paying less taxes, um, maybe less sales tax. I don't know the exact details, or less state income tax. But there are less taxes being collected from from people in Kansas, probably less taxes being collected from uh, anything from the middle to the upper middle to the upper class, and um, <clears throat> most likely the upper class or upper middle. And the state is falling apart. The state cannot function. The government of the state of Kansas cannot provide the most basic services. And that's exactly <clears throat> with this new tax bill that's coming up uh, that may get passed you know, by Congress, specifically by the Senate, uh, this week or next week, <clears throat> and the budget they formulated, what they want to do is cut out services to the average human being. And basically, this is from the middle class down. If you're in the upper middle class, you'll suffer too. But if you're in the upper middle to, to upper class, everything that these thieves uh, are doing, uh, this handful of people who are destroying our public services, uh, everything to do with health, the environment, social security, uh, everything. This tax bill, in the end, uh, tens of millions, tens of millions of people, hundreds of millions of people will suffer. Who's going to benefit from it? Most extraordinarily, uh, not shockingly, the upper class. They will benefit from it. So um, it's amazing to sit and watch them. It's like watching, an, uh, it's like watching a, a train about to crash into something and you can't do anything about it. At least that's the feeling. It doesn't seem like you can do anything about it. Um, <clears throat> the, um, you know, the uh, the government, as run by Trump, the I should say the administration, is trying to destroy everything. I mean, just um, was it just yesterday? The FCC, the Republican-controlled FCC, the Trump-controlled FCC, which is in charge of uh, all uh, companies that are involved in communication, which in which in covers the internet, right? Among other things. So um, anything that has to do with the Internet. They, they uh, threw out the old rules that were instituted uh, in Obama's FCC. And now, uh, I don't know if there's an appeals process or it can be stopped or anything like that. Maybe not. There is no net neutrality anymore. I'm sure you've been following this, right? So from now on, 
companies which control the flow of information over the Internet. I guess people like <clears throat> Comcast, Verizon, they can start to uh, uh, charge any other company like Netflix or something like that. Let's say you streamed Netflix. This is a, not exactly a problem of poverty that we're talking about here in starvation, but it's a something that everybody – I know, and people probably who don't even have a lot of money are connected by their phones or in some way, one way or another, with the Internet, or they use the Internet. Um, most people are. Uh, and I probably uh, maybe 300 million people in this country, one way or another, are connected by or affected by the Internet or use it regularly, right, for their business, for communication, obviously. Um, everything on it will become <clears throat> very soon more expensive. Uh, I was singling out Netflix. Let's say you you watch uh, stuff streaming on Netflix. Um, they can just raise the price. They can charge uh, Netflix more. They can charge you more for uh, acquiring it, right? Uh, they can slow down the entire internet unless you pay more for it. They'll have um, – it'll be like um, like anything where there's um, first class and economy class and, you know, whatever – uh, they'll just start structuring the Internet, layering the Internet, and they can do it like as soon as they want, I guess, unless there's some uh, way to stop this, the lawsuits or appeals process with this um, FCC vote. Uh, they'll start structuring and layering it. So, layering it. so unless you have a lot of money, you will find – and as much money as you spend now. I mean if you're – again, I'm, I'm very much aware of the fact that there are people suffering in the world – in this country and other places in the world, vastly from much more serious problems. But uh, I'm just talking about some issue that probably concerns a lot of people who are listening, or it certainly concerns me. Um, as much as they charge you now for service that doesn't always work very well, uh, huge amount of money for uh, Internet service. And uh, <clears throat> uh, I have Time Warner, which had turned into Spectrum. I don't even know. Everybody owns everybody now. Yesterday, what was it? Walt Disney bought most of Rupert Murdoch's um, entertainment uh, empire, $62 billion. There are no controls over anything anymore. There used to be antitrust laws. used to be uh, the government had uh, – the FCC was instituted in the 1930s when radio started to become a very big thing. Uh, they came up with the FCC to um, grant licenses, and it's supposed to be in the public interest – even commercial stations, anything like the telephone company or um, – and especially radio, these things uh, were licensed by the government. They're still licensed by the government. But uh, that is what's called terrestrial radio, right? I don't think uh, internet radio and satellite radio is controlled by that anymore. So uh, our uh, achievements have gone beyond the bounds of government control. Good and bad, good and bad. But um, the FCC was instituted during the Roosevelt era uh, when the government was recognized by most people and certainly by the people who were in charge of it as being there for the people, of the people, by the people, and for the people. No more, not for a long time. And now that whole concept is dead as a doornail. The idea of government being of the people, by the people, and for the people is an antique memory. It has nothing to do. We have gone completely in the other direction. The government is now of the rich, by the rich, and for the rich. So you want to go on the Internet and you want to see something, you're going to have to pay more to get it. Or if you want to, if you want it to come down faster, uh, they can charge you even more than they do now. 
uh, to get it faster. Otherwise, it'll be slower. It'll suddenly be slower unless you pay more. Basically, it's like being held up, like being mugged. And it's just going to happen. It's extraordinary. And this is not to mention all the stuff about the environment and absolutely everything else. So um, <clears throat> what was I talking about? I was, I was coming down here today uh, in a car. And the streets in New York, it's, it is granted, it's extremely cold. It started being cold a couple of days ago. And it's really cold. Like being inside a refrigerator or a freezer cold out there. Very cold in New York. And there's an especial, and here's the holiday season, right? Um, there's an especially bleak, empty feeling to the streets in Manhattan. Now, of course, look who's, look who's describing it, right? I mean, i am been that way. I've been sort of bleak and melancholy and humorless for years now, as uh, some of the people who listen to me written in have mentioned a few times. <laughs> um, could I do something about it? I really don't know. It doesn't seem that way, but uh, for various reasons. Um, but um, the streets, especially today, seem almost sort of empty and bleak. And it also reflects what's going on in the world and in the country. Uh, this past Monday in New York City, some demented, religiously, um, um, religiously tainted, um, fundamentalist Muslim asshole Sent, uh, set off a pipe bomb or attempted to set off a pipe bomb in one of the busiest places in New York City, maybe one of the busiest places in the entire country, underground Times Square um, on a long subway tunnel that connects um, one line, several lines together. It's a long tunnel underground, which is already a little claustrophobic and a little, um, a little bleak itself and um, makes you worry when you're walking through it anyhow. But this guy sets off a pipe bomb Fortunately, uh, for people who live here, for the people who were walking near him or by, you know, by him at the time, it only hurt him. He's the only one who suffered from it. I think one or two people had some like minor, very minor non-hospital case injuries. But this guy was seriously injured. Not seriously enough, unfortunately, but he was seriously injured. Um, and he's alive, and uh, of course he's been denied bail, and he's uh, going to wind up facing a life sentence. I guess it may be federal, I don't know, for terrorism. But And now, it wasn't too long ago when we had some other fundamentalist um, lunatic drive a truck into a whole bunch of people in another part of Manhattan, killed eight people, and injured many others. And on and on and on. There's no reason to feel or to believe that as many police and uh, cameras and undercover police officers and FBI people and who knows who are monitoring all this and following people. Do you get that feeling? And I'm, it's expanded a thousandfold in places like Kabul or something like that or in, in parts of uh, other parts of the Middle East, that uh, your life is just not safe. I mean, we came off 2000, 2001, you know, 9-11, and people felt for, and still do, there are, there are echoes, especially people who are older, you know, uh, not people who are new to the city or teenagers now, but people in their 20s and 30s, let's say people in their 30s and up, and especially anybody older <clears throat> who was in New York City that day who lived through it and uh, watched it happen or saw it happen, um, have never felt actually calm, especially riding in in closed spaces like on the subway or something like that. Nobody has ever felt absolutely calm again 
And maybe nobody ever will in New York. And these other things that happen are reminders. So I'm looking around in the streets today. I don't see that Christmas spirit. Do not see it. <laughs> They're selling trees all over the place. Um, there are Christmas lights. There's Christmas music. But there's this feeling of um, fear, a feeling of urgency and fear that uh, you don't normally associate with Christmas. Anyhow, Christmas is here, by golly. And um, I, you know, I had sort of an argument with the super of my building the other day. Now, this is the nicest guy in the world. He used to be the head handyman in the building, like really a genius at fixing anything, plumbing, electricity. And he was promoted to be the super, which is a much more difficult and responsible job, especially in this building, which is very old. This building is 110 years old, roughly. And everything is always breaking, the wiring, the pipes, you name it. I mean, everything is always having to be replaced or breaking, uh, the heat, <clears throat> the hot water, everything. And so it was a mixed blessing for him to get this job. I mean, obviously, he, uh, he has a feeling, a greater feeling of self-respect. He gets paid more money. Uh, he gets a free apartment. He and his uh, and his wife live in the, in the building now, and they don't pay rent. But he's uh, and anyhow, he's the nicest guy, right? But I came downstairs into the lobby, and I'm my usual self, which is to say, these days, and I have been for years now, where uh, <clears throat> I am overwhelmed by everything, by sights, by sounds, and um, what is the uh, what is the opposite of? Uh, well, I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> anyhow, I come down there and. You know, I'm going to go out into Manhattan, which is nothing but a gigantic light and noise machine. Um, walking out, just walk out the, the front door of your building in Manhattan, um, and you are assaulted, to use a particular word, you are assaulted by the huge numbers of people. That's always been that way. But the noise, the noise level, and the sounds and the various different kinds of sounds. I mean, everything that's even like stuff that's supposed to be good, which is good. You know, like these, um, I don't know who invented this one when it started, but if, was it 10 or 15 years ago when trucks um, got this beeping sound if they were backing up, which is a very good thing, right? Because people didn't realize trucks were backing up. People got hurt. But the trucks are backing up. They're beeping. And the buses are pulling in and pulling out. Um, there are um, school buses, which make a tremendous amount of noise. Heavy, heavy oil, um, oil trucks delivering oil, you pulling huge weights. And, of course, there's tremendous construction, and the streets are being torn up. So there's drills everywhere and pounding. And, um, and everybody is talking on their, um, on their cell phones like a thousand manic crickets wherever you go all the time, or chipmunks, always. If the noise is amazing. So I come down into the lobby of my building which is, uh, in most ways, a kind of a, a little oasis. As soon as you walk into the building out of, out of, the, uh, out of the noise machine, you sort of, whew, because it's quiet there, right? It's quiet in the lobby. And then you go upstairs and you go into your apartment, and if you're lucky, but I'm, you know, these days they're actually fixing all the bricks outside um, the entire um, area of my apartment building. So there's no, there's no escaping anything. You go into my apartment, which would ordinarily be very quiet. It's in the back of the building. Nothing but drilling and people screaming back and forth, playing radios, scaffolding, looking in on you. Um, unbelievable. And they've been there for months and they'll be there for more months. Uh, I feel like shooting them all. <laughs> I do. I do. Yes, it's cold out there. Yes, it's a hard job. Yes, we really need it to be done. Yes, they have their families to support. Pause. 
I feel like shooting them all. I hope they fall off the scaffolding and break their necks. That's me these days, right? What is the opposite of, um, what is the opposite of generous and benevolent, right? Selfish and stingy. That's me, Scrooge. Anyhow, I had an argument with the super. What was the argument about? I come down off the elevator, go into the lobby, and you know all the Christmas. Uh, he said the super is in charge of putting up all the Christmas decorations, right? He's got uh, in the lobby of the building. The super is in charge of that. Uh, every year comes out the fake tree, the huge plastic tree, which looks pretty real, but it's a fake tree. They're not going to buy a, a regular tree. I don't know why they don't do that. Maybe they did once, but now it's a, a big, nice-looking sort of fake tree and all the uh, <clears throat> the huge number of ornaments and Christmas lights. <clears throat> all of that is up there. It appeared overnight, right? It's there every year. And all around, there used to be some of these, but now the place, because of this guy's taste, he has very tacky taste, nice as he is, he's put up all these plastic gnomes and elves and nutcrackers and ball busters or whatever they're called and angels and, um, and you name it, any kind of creature, reindeer, and, of course, a gigantic ho-ho-ho uh, man, red-faced, drunken, you know, and, okay, so that's there too. Tackiness, superficiality, a feeling of fakeness. Okay, that's, that's Christmas in, in a lot of places. And uh, when I come downstairs, I've seen this before, only it's more of it than there ever was. Like they were all having sex with each other and multiplied overnight or something, right? Or like in Gremlins, you know, water touched them and there was 10 of them instead of one. And I come downstairs and I hear this horrible Christmas music is everywhere. Of course, Christmas music is everywhere. And I know this is not just a phenomenon isolated to New York. Everywhere you go, there is this fucking Christmas music. I would say, pardon the expression, or I'm sorry, but, but I'm not. You know? One of the virtues of being um, uh, old and cranky is you, you can talk this way, right? I mean, it's not any, it doesn't make it any better. It's certainly not generous and benevolent, but there it is, right? And the Christmas music is everywhere. It's in every single place you go. Every time... You get, every time you go in, a, in an office, in a bank, in a doctor's office, and, and it's playing in every office everywhere, no matter what. Every shop, it comes out of, out of doorways everywhere. You can't escape from it. You can't escape from it. But in my lobby, despite all the other stuff, and also, I, of course, what's there is the, uh, the obligatory menorah. The menorah is there because the Upper West Side in Manhattan, where I live, is significant number of Jewish residents and has had for many, many decades. So whenever there's Christmas decorations being put up, most supers in these, in these buildings are, um, for one reason or another, they were Irish for a long time, then Polish, and now a lot of them are Puerto Rican. Um, don't know why. That's the way it works, right? This is what happens. And um, the whole economy of it, you know, it's easy to explain, I suppose, but not here. And um, Catholics, Catholics, right? And um, <clears throat> but they put up the menorah. They sort of, I mean, maybe they got complaints. And then, of course, a lot of the the owners of these buildings um, uh, have been, and for a long time, are Jewish. So, for one reason or other, the Jewish residents, a menorah goes up. And not all the Jews on the Upper West Side are religious. In fact, there's probably more secular Jews who live in my neighborhood than maybe any other place in the country more secular Jews, if not outright uh, atheists or agnostics. But the menorah goes up because being Jewish means never having to say you're sorry. Now, being Jewish 
is not just a religious thing. It's a tribal thing. It's a racial thing, whatever word you want to use. It's, uh, it's just a thing, not necessarily connected with uh, religion or religious observance. Anyhow, the menorah is up there as an obligatory sort of nod to the owners of the building, to people who live in it. And it's in many buildings. Uh, they have a couple of giant ones uh, out on the street. You know, they have big Christmas trees in public places in New York City. And they have a couple of nativity scenes, which for me is going too far. I don't like it in public places. That's a long story. But uh, the Christmas tree is fine with me. I like Christmas decorations. I always did. Meanwhile, I come down in the lobby and I hear Christmas music in the lobby. I don't want to hear Christmas music, which I hear coming in and out of my ears everywhere I go all over the place uh, in the city at this time of the year. It starts after Thanksgiving, right? This commercial crap and this awful music. <clears throat> Most of it, I should say. Uh, and even the, even the songs that are nice are not, you know, there's, there's too much of them. But what I look around and I hear Christmas music, tin, canned, tinny, canned Christmas music. And I, and I see that the super has put up one of these, it's a Frosty the Snowman, about two and a half foot high Frosty the Snowman. All these things look really bizarre anyhow. And Frosty the Snowman is playing Christmas music and doing, I don't know what, the twist or something back and forth in some mechanical way. And I go over and I say, hey, man, really? I mean, there's not enough noise. There's not enough Christmas music everywhere. And we had an argument. He says, man, don't be Scrooge, Mike. Don't be Scrooge. <laughs> Kids love this, you know? Get the Christmas spirit. Yeah, all right. Meanwhile, later, I come back later in the day, and, um, and uh, actually Frosty and his, uh, and his crazy music is gone. I mean, it's, it's just gone. Obviously, other people... Uh, was it Jews? Was it the Jews, you know, who are responsible for every every nefarious thing, for spoiling everything? <laughs> right? Is it the Jews? I don't know who complained, but people complained to him, probably a lot of people, because Frosty was gone. Frosty and his crazy sick music was gone. Um, so meanwhile, I had this argument, which I felt bad about, because I always liked this guy, right? Not to mention the fact that... Um, I mean, he would never do this, but I'd be af I was afraid that, you know, if I needed something fixed and everything needs to be fixed these days, he would be a little slow to do it, you know. Um, um, you know, net neutrality would be gone. <laughs> Anyhow, um, I went to I, Chris's Christmas music is everywhere. I mean, am I the only one who can't stand to hear this stuff all the time? Um, however, apparently a lot of people do like to hear it uh, since it's playing everywhere. I mean, elevators shopping centers, um, supermarkets, offices, banks. There's no end to it. Um, <clears throat> uh, the, the, um, the station manager of uh, Light FM, L-I-T-E, Light FM in New York City, um, which has a huge listening audience, he said that that's their highest rating time of the year is when they play Christmas music nonstop 24 hours a day. <clears throat> so obviously, uh, people do like to hear it. But this music drives me nuts. I once worked as a volunteer in a hospital in a very small office, um, not a very big room, and um, uh, maybe 20 by 12, and uh, there were four or five people working there. Um, I was a volunteer, and there were other people working on staff. They had the radio turned up, Christmas music. You don't say anything about it. Everybody in there is a Christian. Um, don't say, you know, you can't complain, right? You're a volunteer, and... Um, you know, say, oh, could you turn that down a little bit? Oh, 
you want it to turn you want to turn the Christmas music down? Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's wrong with you, right? So you don't you don't say anything about it. But uh, uh, this music was on all the time. I felt like I was going to go out of my mind, and be, and part of it is because it's such trash. A lot of it. I mean, even the good ones. How how often can you hear? Um, you know, chestnuts roasting by blah blah blah. Jack Frost. I mean. What you're hearing is this junk light. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. There's two of them that I can't stand the most. And I thought I would treat you to one of them. I mean, one of them is that the chipmunks, um, Christmas time is here. Alvin and the chipmunks, or Alvin is one of the chipmunks, the chipmunks, which I'm sure you remember, right? And, um, but the, the one that, I don't know, for some reason it bothers me the most, and I don't know why that is, is, is this one. Come Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. Dixon and Blixon and all his reindeers pulling on the reins. Bells are ringing, children singing, all is merry and bright. So hang your stockings and say your prayers, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. He's got a bag that's filled with toys for boys and girls again. Hear those sleigh bells jingle, jangle, oh, what a beautiful sight. So jump in bed and cover your head, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. Yeah, so this crap, right? Oh, you keep playing it. Yeah, I mean, you know, this this garbage. I mean, uh, yeah, we're all God's children. We're all God's children. God want us to suffer? Does he want our eardrums to burst? Does he want our brains to explode from this shit? Here comes Santa. See, you can't get it out of your head. When you hear this stuff, then you'll never get it out of your head. I mean, there are people who have trouble like this. I have trouble like this with my brain. And I hear songs playing all the time psychotic symptom, right? And kids sometimes are bothered by this. People are bothered. You can't get a tune out of their head. Here comes Santa Claus. This is Gene Autry, by the way. And this lovely music. Enough. Turn this garbage off. Thank you very much. That's good. Okay. See? Here comes Santa Claus. Where? Santa Claus Lane? Where's Santa Claus Lane? (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Anyhow. It's a business, right? It's a business. Light FM and other stations make a huge amount of money playing uh, Christmas music. People, more people than not, like Christmas music all the time, apparently. I can't stand it. And it's also, yes, it's partially a tribal problem. Coming from an ancient uh, tribe of people (coughs) who uh, have suffered the most astounding persecution, um, by uh, by the larger majority, uh, the Jews. Uh, I have never been absolutely comfortable, not completely comfortable with Christmas stuff. But on the other hand, I don't want. I mean, I, I'm a hypocrite, right? I mean, I, there's, there's there's trees everywhere on the street. Everybody's buying the trees and they're bringing them home and they're decorating them. And in my time, I have bought and decorated Christmas trees. I have, I have gone out in the street and bought and decorated Christmas trees. I like Christmas trees. 
uh, <clears throat> I've been married three times. And um, each time that I was married, I was married to a Christian woman. Uh, did I do that on purpose? Was I deliberately trying to avoid Jewish women? Who could say? I come from a generation, my particular, my, my generation, um, had some kind of complicated sociological, psychological problem with their mothers, more than a lot of other generations of, uh, of Jewish men. And um, somehow wound up uh, being intermarrying more in my generation, I think, than almost any other generation. I mean, later on, it didn't make any difference. But it was, um, it was a thing then. It was, it was uh, a problem because uh, we were all brought up by our second-generation parents and also our grandparents who were first-generation, who were immigrants, and uh, had suffered all this stuff, all the pogroms and... Then there was the Holocaust and everything, and uh, you didn't mix. My grandmother, who was from Eastern Europe and had, had fled Eastern Europe like millions of other Jews to the United States because of their being murdered and um, persecuted and people were you know, killing them all over the place. There was no laws to protect them. My, most, on both sides, my grandparents came over to the country, <clears throat> uh, the wonderful United States, which was, <clears throat> especially compared to these other uh, horrible societies for Jews. And they came over here. And um, But one thing they did not do, and one thing they warned us never to do, you don't have anything to do with Christians. Now, they didn't go overboard all the time. Like my grandma, my grandmother was really extreme. She, I mean, a lot of these people from her generation just referred to Christians as the goyim, which is a, a Yiddish word, a very nasty Yiddish word, uh, the goyim which just means anybody who's not Jewish, anybody particularly who's Christian. Um, and she sometimes would spit after she said it. Don't have anything to do with them. And the last thing you want to do is if you're um, a girl, a Jewish girl or a Jewish boy, the last thing you want to do is have sex with or marry or have children with somebody who's not Jewish. I come from this tribalism. It must seem like ancient history. I mean, the people who are listening to me of a generation, probably they're probably closer to my age, right? Most of the people who listen to me probably in their 60s at least, um, although there are some younger people who listen to me. Uh, maybe you don't have this kind of tribalism. Maybe you do. I mean, you have to belong to a tribe to have it. I mean, if you're, if you're black or you're Latino or maybe you're a specific Christian um, group, you know, I don't know what. You could be you know, Irish or maybe you're Catholic in a certain place where most people are uh, Baptists. I don't know. I don't know, but if there's a certain kind of tribalism involved, right, usually it has to do with being a minority and a much um, um, sinned against minority. But, um, you know, you just didn't mix. But I, but I, you know, I married three different women who were, uh, who were Christians, and um, we always had a Christmas tree. We bought a Christmas tree, we brought it, and I love putting up the lights Decorating it, putting up uh, ornaments that we made or that we bought. And a lot of these women had family, like old family ornaments that had been around for generations or had been given as presents. And they were beautiful, these decorations, absolutely beautiful. And I hung them up and I put them up with the lights up and everything. I loved it. I loved the feeling of there's that kind of that glow inside uh, an otherwise, um, you know, uh, citified apartment. Uh, and I suppose in the house, you go in the house, yeah, your house may be beautiful, your apartment may be very nice, but there's something otherworldly, something supernatural comes in there when you, uh, when you put this Christmas tree up. And my kids, when they were little, they loved, they loved these trees. They loved trees. Um, 
And it brings a feeling, it brought a feeling when I put these trees up. I haven't had one up in a couple of years. Um, a feeling of benevolence to the place. I mean, it, the, the, the shadows and the color, the color reflections of the lights from the ornaments all over the place with the other lights out. It's really very beautiful, very nice. And then the Christmas, you know, the, the presents under the trees. Obviously, I'm not that religious, or I'm not religious at all. I'm not religious at all. But like I say, there's a difference between being part of a, a tribe, but being Jewish and being a religious Jew. And, uh, but my kids, my kids, and Christmas, you know, really is for children. It's for children. Santa Claus and the reindeers, I mean, aside from the religious meaning of it, aside from the great glory to the world that uh, the Savior was born, that's his birthday, although some people dispute that. But some people would dispute anything. Um, there are people who would dispute that Trump is um, a psychotic uh, asshole. I mean, you know, there, anything can be disputed, right? Thank God for free speech. Meanwhile, um, uh, the trees, right? The trees and um, <clears throat> the presents and everything like that. And one, actually, one of my fondest memories about a Christmas tree is I went out. My daughter was about, <clears throat> I think she was about seven or eight. Maybe she was about eight years old. She was a skinny little thing, very wiry and strong, like a chimp practically, but very small and thin and um, <clears throat> small for her age, but very determined. And we went out and bought a tree once. It was a pretty big tree. We had... Um, uh, an apartment in, in, in an old uh, building in Manhattan, and the ceilings were 12 feet high. It was 11 or 12 feet high. Anyway, I bought a nine-foot-tall tree. We had extra money that year. And this big, heavy tree. And I carried the heavy part back, and she wanted to help. So she, uh, I get, made sure she had her gloves and everything like that. She carried the, the thin, the top part of the tree, the thin part of the tree, um, you know, and it tilted all the way down to where she was carrying it, and I was making sure I kept my part as low as possible so it didn't weigh on her too much. And she had, you know, her, her tongue between her uh, teeth, and she was concentrating, and she was so proud to help me, to help me bring this this tree back into the apartment. I mean, it was uh, she was so thrilled by that. It was a very fond memory I have. Um, but this other Christmas stuff, I don't know. It's because I, you know, really... It's because I have gotten, for various reasons, very old, very fast in the last few years, and very ungenerous that um, <clears throat> that I that I freak out about all this Christmas stuff. Um, you know, I really am the, the the worst cranky old man you could ever possibly meet. Um, bizarrely enough, though, considering my grandmother and the way I was raised, and Jews not mixing with Christians in my neighborhood that much, especially not during Christmas, because Christmas was a reminder to a lot of people in my parents' generation, although they consider themselves utterly American, but especially for my grandparents' generation, anything had to do with Christmas where the lights are out and uh, on the street, you know, lights are, I don't mean out, I mean they're, you know, they're put out on houses and all the decorations are out. This aggressive, uh, at least commercial, or this aggressive outward expression of Christianity was threatening and very bad, uh, and had some very bad reminders for people of my grandmother's generation. Jews tended to to be even more um, discreet, <laughs> more more uh, not invisible, right? Because uh, you know the Jews in my neighborhood mixed pretty well with with Christians. The neighbors were neighbors, and we got along pretty well. But during Christmas, uh, we were all reminded about who was who, right? I remember one time I was. Um, Walking around, I had a neighbor about two doors away. They were they put up a beautiful tree, and I and I would go over to people's houses. We didn't have any tree in my house, of course. You know, not my grandmother was alive, and my mother was kosher, and my grand my mother did whatever my grandmother told her to do. Poor woman. 
<clears throat> Anyhow, what we had was the menorah, you know, the Hanukkah menorah, and we got some presents on Hanukkah, but that was very pale compared to what people had at Christmas. Nothing like a Christmas tree. Uh, nothing like the Christmas music. Nothing like uh, the, the wonderful Christmas presents, all this stuff. And I would spend a lot of time when I was a little kid out of my house for any reason uh, to get out of my uh, horrible haunted house. And I would go over to my, my best friend, lived uh, about 10, no, about eight houses down. And um, I would go over there and help decorate their tree, go over there on Christmas morning. They even had some presents for me, uh, little presents. Um, and then two doors away, uh, another friend of mine uh, <clears throat> who was a, a girl about my age, uh, we hung out together. And um, her mother put up a giant tree, and she was playing all this Christmas music, Bach, Brandenburg, concertos, not, you know, not Christmas, Christmas, Christmas music, but uh, classical music, which was, like, nice for Christmas. And, uh, you know, Handel, Handel's Messiah, Handel's Messiah. And so, you know, I used to soak that stuff up. I loved all that stuff. Um, somewhere, bizarrely enough, and I, maybe my memory's off because lots of things are off, I seem to recall a picture of me um, a picture of me sitting in Santa Claus's lap somewhere. People used to bring, do people do this anymore? Does this exist? Do people bring their kids, their little kids, to see Santa Claus in department stores anymore? Do, do you know? Does anybody? They do that. They still do it? Like at Macy's and other places? And you went. You didn't go. Okay. All right. So, yeah, when I, that's what I mean. They brought you to see Santa Claus, right? What about him? Did you bring him to see Santa Claus? Did you bring him to see Santa Claus? Yeah, right? See? Okay. So here's a couple of guys they brought to see Santa Claus. These are Christian guys, right? But here I am, here I am, a little Jewish kid with a grandmother who used to spit whenever she saw Christians, which made her mouth very dry because that neighborhood was mostly Christian. Here I am. How did I ever wind up? Could it be? But I see a picture of me, somewhere there's a photograph of me, sitting in Santa Claus's lap, crying. Why wouldn't any little kid? I bet there's a million photographs, some of them getting older now, of little kids sitting in Santa Claus's lap, maybe crying or overwhelmed. I have never seen a photograph of any kid, little kid, two, three, four, five, six, sitting in Santa Claus's lap where they look really happy. Because it's, it's crazy. You go into these department stores, and I don't even know what store I would have gone into. Who brought me? I don't know. Who would have brought me to see Santa Claus? I have no idea. God bless them that they did. But did they know what they were doing? Talk about sexual harassment. I have no idea what these, um, I mean, you don't even want to begin to know, right? A lot of these Santa Clauses in those days, this, <laughs> who knows what they were doing when the kids were sitting in there. Maybe that's one reason kids were crying all the time. But I'm sitting there. They bring you, you're a little tiny kid. They bring you into this crowded place, all the noise and the music and people, you know, running around all over the place. And they shove you and stand in a long line, right? Like a bread line, practically. Stand in a long line. And they said, don't forget to tell Santa, Santa what you want for um, what you want for Christmas, right? Why am I doing this? Why did I do this? It did happen to me. Or did I have a bad dream? I don't know. The difference between my imagination and my memory and reality is thinner now than it's ever been before. Anyhow, there I am crying. And why wouldn't any little kid cry? And they sit you in the lap of a total stranger. You don't know who it is. And he's very large usually, red-faced, maybe because he's got red makeup on him, because he's red-faced, because he's fat, maybe he's a drunk, I don't know. And Santa Claus is there, and he's saying, 
very loud voice, right? Ho, 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 ho. Right? Sounds scary. It's scary. What do you want for Christmas, little boy? Have you been good? Fuck you, have I been good? What do you mean, have I been good? Have you been good? Are you going to be named by hashtag me too? I don't know. I mean, give, me a, give me a break. It's scary. Why do people do this? I can't believe people still do this. But I bet there's a million photographs in people's houses, 10 million of them like scared out of their wits uh, because, uh, because of Christmas. Uh, I'm going to Santa Claus. I'm specifically going to Santa Claus. Otherwise, Christmas, yes, very, very benevolent, very good time. The urge to give presents to, um, you know, and, and uh, obviously the celebration of Christ and the three wise men. Where does it come from? The three wise men uh, journeyed from afar and each brought uh, expensive, wonderful gifts uh, to present to the uh, the newborn Savior. And it's... Um, you know, it's a it's a great symbol. It's a wonderful symbol. And then people, of course, use this. And then all this paganism comes into it too. I mean, Christmas, <clears throat> like a lot, like a lot of other Christian holidays, or a lot of other holidays for any religion. But let's particularly let's talk about Christ, Christianity here. Like a lot of other, um, and this is influenced by uh, uh, Northern and Central Europe, right? Um, these Christmas trees, uh, people used to worship trees way before they were Christians. You know, trees, large, beautiful trees, pine forest trees, especially trees, uh, certain certain cypress trees and trees in different parts of, the, of Europe were, and trees in different parts of the world, but especially in Europe, in Greece, in, in Italy, in Germany and places like that. Some of them in dark, dark forests way before there was Christianity uh, were worshipped as deities or symbols of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of another world, of a bigger, stronger, more more um, profound world than the one we were wandering around in, doing things in. So this kind of, and then all the ornaments, and because there's so much that's pagan about this. And who is um, Santa Claus? I think it's, now, I, I mean, and there's so many permutations. But there was a saint somewhere, obviously, Santa, Saint, Klaus, somewhere. I don't know, Chris Kringle, who the hell that is, but uh, that's some more commercial trivialization. But um, the... Um, there was a St. Klaus, I guess, a German saint. Is that right? I mean, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Since nobody ever calls these shows their podcasts, I couldn't have anybody call up to find out to tell me. Um, but somebody, when you get in touch with me about this, you could, you could tell me about it if you want. Um, so I like, I like all this paganism, and that appeals to me too because I used to love uh, old myths, North, Norse mythology. There's a lot of Norse mythology blended into Christmas. That was the genius of, um, of um, Christianity when it was um, converting the whole world, or most of Europe anyhow, at least in the beginning. Uh, that was the genius of it, is that um, they didn't just exclude automatically any other uh, religion. What they did was just co-opted the stuff that was the most basic, the most profound, and the most appealing. It wasn't a good idea. It wouldn't have been a good idea. It wouldn't have been a good sell if you just said, no, your religion is uh, nonsense, it's bullshit, it's savage. They did do that whenever they went someplace where they were, quote, unquote, savages. You know, when they went into the New World, uh, when the Europeans, the Christians, went to colonialized places like um, <clears throat> in South America and Central America where they, uh, you know, destroyed the Aztecs and the Incas. Wherever they went, you know, somewhere like in the Far East, 
Uh, no hesitation. Yeah, that was a savage, stupid religion. Though it was, uh, you know, a couple thousand years older than theirs. That was uh, savagery. That was uh, blasphemy. Blah 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 blah. No more excuses by rich people to steal everything that belongs to other people. We're at money and power, money and power, money and power. Uh, anyway, uh, where was I? So anyhow, they 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 co-opted all this Christian stuff. And brought it into the religion, which was uh, all this pagan stuff and brought it into the Christian religion, which is a stroke of genius. You know, the Christmas tree, what is that? What's it got to do with anything except some, some ancient pagan um, awe at uh, something deeper and wider and larger? Well, anyhow, um, Christmas. I, I was in the elevator the other day. Uh, everything was going wrong with the hot water and the heat in my building. And I was in the elevator by accident with the super. And I apologized to the guy. I mean, I was genuinely pissed off. And I went, but I was glad Frosty was gone. I wasn't the only one. And, but I said, look, uh, sorry I gave you a hard time about Frosty. I know you like Frosty. And he said, yeah, Mike, you know, really you should get into the holiday spirit. But he seemed kind of dejected because really his attempt to bring uh, ho-ho-ho-ness to everybody was, um, was shot down. <laughs> by not just me, but by other people there too. Anyhow, we're friends again. And so uh, all I have to say is... Uh, Merry Christmas and um, Happy Hanukkah to everybody who's listening. Uh, I'll probably be here next week, but I'm not absolutely sure. You know, I might uh, take a little time off, but we'll see. Uh, meanwhile, let's, uh, let's go straight to Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Here's one Christmas song I do like. It's all cold down along the beach. Winds whipping down the boardwalk. <laughs> hey, man! You guys know what time it is?
There we go. Um, thank God for uh, for his plan or her plan, whoever God is, uh, that uh, people get old and die. You know, I mean, my grandmother's generation. I mean, it's essential to preserve some things from the past and to remember history. Without that, we are really lost. And look at the country right now. This country is rootless, rootless. It has no moral or um, I don't know what. There's no... There's no chain, there's no DNA chain of morality or memory of what was wrong and what was right. It's as if we're starting all over again and the bad people are in charge. You always have to work against them every day. It's a tremendous struggle to keep the bad people away from devouring everybody. And now they're doing it again. But it's happening. It's happening. But, you know, this is part of God's plan. People get old. They die. They don't transmit their tribal prejudices. Hopefully, although you see a lot of it now, I think it's on its way out. It looks terrible, but I think it's on its way out. Although this interjection of uh, <clears throat> Muslims into the United States, um, and unfortunately, the few people who um, uh, who are completely demented and off, uh, out of their minds who use it as an excuse to kill other people. But uh, this whole thing starts the whole tribalism again, obviously. But, uh, you know, my grandmother had this stuff to teach us that was that Christians were terrible and that Jews were better than Christians. And, um, you know, uh, and my, my parents' generation didn't really want to hear all that. But they sort of they sort of believed it and they, they didn't they didn't intermarry. And then my generation comes along. And my best friend when I was growing up uh, was Christian. I was devastated when he moved away. His father got a job somewhere else. And um been married uh, three times to uh, women who are Christian, who were brought up in Christian households, anyhow. Um, it doesn't make that much difference to me, although I have friends my age in my generation who are Jews who are still clinging to that old tribalism and have for a long time, people I've had arguments with. But um, 
But my, um, my kids' generation, they don't pay any attention to that stuff. It makes no difference to them hardly at all. Practically no difference at all. Thank God. You know, I'm, bringing, I'm bringing God up a lot, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's an expression. Meanwhile, once again, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas. I'll see you next week. Somewhere down the road when somebody plays